Hello, church. How are you? So good to see you all here. What a monumental day in the life of the church. Uh, and uh, we're so blessed to have you here. Uh, let me just reiterate, I hope that each and every one of you can get out today to our new building at 2 o'clock, uh, where uh, we will have an open house. Refreshments will be served. We're going to have pastries and coffee and some other things for you. So I hope you come out. The first hour or so, we'll, we'll give you the chance to walk around, get comfortable, and see what God has given us. And then I'll speak to you about uh, my vision for the church. Uh, and uh, I just want you to be relaxed. Nobody is going to ask you for any money today. The operative word is today. Today. <laughs> today. <laughs> so feel free, come out, bring your family, by the way. Bring your family. Bring your friends. I mean, we have seating for 1,100 people. So, uh, I mean, I want you to know, God is great. God is great. And when you see where this property is located, it is so strategic uh, in terms of the, the development that's going on. Uh, I sent a note to Hayes Wicker because I've invited Hayes Wicker when he's well uh, to come back and to preach a, a sermon here uh, or to give his testimony. Uh, and he said to me, this is an amazing location. God has given you an incredibly strategic location. And I would say that Hayes would understand that better than most people. Uh, and so, yes, it is. So come out. The first hour or so, you're going to just be able to walk around uh, and partake of what we get you. And then you'll hear a vision cast that I have for you. So we uh, look forward to seeing all of you and your family and your friends. I'm going to continue today on my sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has spent really the first eight Beatitudes describing the internal characteristics of what the born-again Christian should be, how he should live, how he should exhibit himself in so many ways. And it's amazing when you see how God has given us that gift. So a true disciple was spiritually poor and mourning before God because of his spiritual condition. He longed to be like God, and he knew he would suffer for being that kind of Christian. And Jesus wanted the crowd on the hillside, especially disciples, to understand what was before them, uh, to understand not just the blessings but the cost of being a disciple as well. But Jesus was not finished, you see. Now Jesus moves from the internal characteristics to the external characteristics. What is it that God wants from us as we interface with the world? How does God want us to exhibit us? And what does he expect the world to see from us? So this is an important message uh, for you today and certainly important for us as we move into what I call the promised land, crossing the Jordan River into our new home. How does God want us to live and to walk uh, in discipleship. You see, God never intended the Christian to withdraw from the world. And it's so sad because so many uh, denominations have this wrong where they effectively encourage what I call fortress churches. Those are churches that build up walls effectively to protect the people inside the church from the people outside the church. Uh, but that's not the intention of God. You know, that was the great error in monasticism uh, when, when uh, the Roman church decided 
that it was appropriate for the leaders of the church, the priests, to go effectively into hiding uh, and, and to, to be separated from the world and secluded. Well, God never intended that. You will see no evidence of that in Scripture. And today you're going to hear it very clearly that that is not the will of God. Uh, God is ex expecting us to go out to exhibit the light that he has given us, to show the world what it means to be saved. And we're going to talk about that specifically. And so uh, today we're going to read from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. And there Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so you see, you cannot be a Christian in private. It's impossible. And so Jesus makes it perfectly clear that if you are to follow the norms of the kingdom, what he's laid out in the Beatitudes, that it is not private, but that it is public. The righteousness, the very righteousness of the life that we lead as we walk with Christ needs to be exhibited to the world. And in fact, sometimes it may even draw opposition. And that's God's plan as well. And so in other words, the Christian is not poor in spirit, mourning over his sin, meek, hungry and thirsty for the word of God, merciful uh, and pure in heart and a peacemaker to be doing that all in private. All of that is meant by God to be done in public. These kingdom norms practiced in a sinful world will draw that world as a Christian witness. And the witness may give rise to persecution. And all of that is within the will of God. Nevertheless, Jesus indicated that his disciples needed to be prepared for this and to understand and consider their effect on a lost world. And it applies just as much today to us as it did 2,000 years ago. And so in these verses that we just read, Jesus develops two metaphors that he uses as an example to us to understand exactly how we are to exhibit these public norms. And so, in, first of all, he talks about salt. Now, in the ancient world, salt was a preservative. It was used to preserve food uh, since refrigeration was not known at that time. And at the same time, salt would improve flavor on anything that it was placed. And so in this first metaphor, Jesus compares his disciples to salt. Implicitly, he is saying to his disciples that apart from you, the world is rotting. The world is despicable. And I'm using you and I'm calling you to be a preservative in this decaying, rotten world. And so he's saying that even apart from his disciples, the world will continue to devolve in so many ways. And so Christians have the veritable effect of delaying decay uh, and decay, de de 
decay, which is so prevalent in our society. They cannot help if they exhibit the norms of the kingdom. If you're following the Beatitudes, if you're truly born again, you cannot help but be that kind of effect and have that kind of impact on society. But what happens when the salt loses its saltiness? What happens if we're not walking with the way God wants us to walk and exhibiting those characteristics of salt? Well, Jesus made that very clear as well. If it's salt loses its saltiness, it's worth nothing. You throw it out on the street, it'll be trampled by men. And so that's the other thing that God warns us about, to stay true to the call, to stay true to the Beatitudes, to be careful that, that those norms of the kingdom are being exhibited in our life, that the Holy Spirit is alive within us and, and telling us to continue to walk with him. And so we don't want to be adulterated by these other things. We want to stay pure as salt to be used by God to impact the world in so many ways. And so we want to be able to have God use us to delay corruption and decay. The worse the world becomes, and we can all testify to that, the worse the world becomes, the more it needs you, the more it needs the Christian, the more it needs your impact and the disciples of the Lord to be salt, to show the world what it is to be a Christian, to live in the light of, of Christ. Now, the second metaphor that the Lord uses is light. Again, he compares our call to light. We are the light of the world as he was the light of the world. And so Jesus used that metaphor, and he talked about two sources of physical light. He talked about a light on a lampstand, and he talked about a light coming from a city on a hill. And I'm going to talk to you about both of those metaphors. And it's quite interesting when Jesus speaks about this metaphor of light that he does not refer to light really uh, constituting an ecclesiastical pronouncement uh, or uh, uh, being one that imposes your will on others. He's not talking about that at all. He's not talking about being confrontational. Instead, Jesus is talking about reflecting the light of Jesus in your life so that the world can see this light. Uh, these deeds are performed so powerfully when we walk with Christ, when we're filled with his spirit, that it must be noticed by men. They cannot miss it. Uh, and that's what God wants us to show because we are the sons of God. That is the essence of who we are and what the call is on our lives. And so he's saying here that it is the good deeds that we are called to perform which will be the light, the good deeds. It's not that you have to go out and confront people. He's not asking you to do that. He's saying let your deeds, let your life shine. Let the light of my heart and my spirit shine through you and let it so shine through your good deeds for the kingdom of God. Uh, and so in these very norms of the kingdom, in these very norms of the kingdom that Christ has laid out for us and work out in the lives of the disciples as they're working out in your lives, they constitute the witness of the kingdom. This is the witness. Now, some of you have often said to me, well, you know, John, uh, I, I'm not called to be a minister. I'm not called to be a missionary. 
I'm not called to be a Bible teacher. I don't really know what God is calling me to do. Well, here it is. God is calling you to be salt and light. There's no excuse for you not to be salt and light. That is the essence of the call on our lives of every single one of us. Yes, I understand we're not going to be Billy Graham. I understand that. But you know what? You can be salt and light in every day of your life. That is the principal call of God for us today, salt and light. And I want to emphasize this, especially so as we move into a new building, which will give us so many opportunities to serve him. There will be so many new ministry opportunities that you're going to hear about that today that we can do now because we will have our own permanent home. Now, here's the thing about being salt and light. When we act within the light of Christ, when we have the saltiness that Jesus would have us to do, where we go, we act so differently from the world that it cannot be noticed. And what do I mean by that? It means this. When you're at work, you don't rob from your employer. You're not lazy. You work hard. You volunteer. When you see people that are in need, you step up. When you see someone that's downcast, you lift them up. You pray for people. You don't slander. You don't gossip. But you live the kind of life that Jesus wants you to live. And that church is what it means to have the light of Christ. And that's what it means to be salty in every aspect of your life. And you see this. Uh, and Jesus said this so impactfully in John chapter 8, verse 12. And if you have your Bible there, you can read it with me. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen, Jesus. That's the nature of what it is. I am the light of the world. And what it means is that he transforms us. He changes us. Why do you think you are born again? Why do you think the Spirit of God has been implanted in your heart? It is because he wants you to be light and to be salt and to transform the world and to keep the world from decaying and from keeping the world from devolving. Think of all the good deeds that have been done in this world because of Christians. Think about it. Think about the abolition of slavery that was done because of a Christian man whose heart was changed forever. Think about prison reform. Think about the hospitals that have been out there. Think about the orphanages that have been formed. Think about all the missionary efforts throughout the world and by thousands and thousands of selfless people going places for no other reason than God has touched their heart. And think how the world has been changed forever. Uh, and think about how today we as Christians stand to support the right to life in opposition to abortion. Amen, church? I mean, this is the call of God. You understand? This is the call of God in all of these areas. The followers of Christ alleviated the darkness. How? It's not that we alleviate the darkness through ourselves, but we are reflecting the light of Jesus. We're reflecting the light of Jesus and we're spearheading, really, the drive for righteousness. Now, it's important to understand this. We are not a fortress church. This is not a fortress church. We don't have any walls. 
keeping us from being protected. There are no walls in this church. When we move into the new church, there will be no walls because we want to invite the world into the church. Here's the thing. You can't change anyone if you leave them out in the sidewalk. You understand? I know they may not look like you. They may not talk like you. I know that their morality may not be exactly what you would like, but if you want to change that morality and be the salt of the earth, the salt can't work its magic if you're inside and they're on the sidewalk. It's only when we bring them in, in love and affirmation, that we can then show them what it means, what it means to be a Christian, how we walk with God and how he's given us the light to be able to show the gospel. Uh, and this is how we are to interact with a fallen world. This is the essence of this message today. And, and so we need to understand that, that that's how God wants us to live. And so the true answer is the Lord recognized it, is that the Christian must be a preserving force, a preserving force wherever the Lord plants him. The salt never did a thing sitting on a shelf. And light never did a thing if it was hidden under a bushel. It only works when it's exposed to the outside forces. It only works when the world sees it. And so there's a second thing, really, that salt is good for, uh, and it's not often discussed in churches, and that is it provides flavor. Salt provides flavor. And I want you to think about this. I want you to think about all the lost people in the world that are walking along in this world in despair and gloom and have no hope. And God wants you to impact them and lend flavor to their life, to show them what it means to be a Christian, to show them what happiness God has given you. Yes, difficult times come into our lives. Yes, we experience sadness, but at the end of the day, we know we're going to heaven. We know we're going to see him again. And that, that gives off incredible happiness, and that is the light. And so God expects you in the salt in that way to improve the favor and flavor of life. Now, I heard a sad story, which I know is true, because I've experienced it myself uh, coming from some churches that I came from in my earlier days, in my youth. Uh, and that is you'd walk into church and all you'd see would be gloomy faces. Have you ever walked into a church like that? It's a very serious and sobering thing. We're in here, we're in church. There's no smiling aloud in church. Somebody once said, a, a, a guy who became a theologian, who said, you know what? If I knew, I knew that the happiness that Christianity would give me, I would have become a minister earlier. But all I saw was surrounded by people who were gloomy. Gloomy. Well, let me tell you something, folks. Get the gloom off your face. All right? God didn't call you to be gloomy. God didn't call you to be gloomy. He called you to be radiant to be alive, to be happy. And I can't tell you how much I feel that, especially so today when I see the power and glory of God on exhibit to us what he has deigned to give us, what he has given us in such a short deal of time. See, we have to convey this to a world that is lost in gloom and despair, and that's the other thing that we do. We add flavor to their life. People should go out of their way to want you to be their friend. 
all right? They should want you to be their friend. When you're in the country club, people should want you at their table. They should want to play golf with you. They should want you in their lives because you are salt. You improve the flavor of life. Amen, church? Now, the third thing, the third thing that salt does is it makes one thirsty. You know that. You put salt on something, it makes one thirsty. So let me ask you this question. And don't answer me. You answer God. Have you made anyone thirsty for Jesus? Have you made anyone thirsty for Jesus? Do non-Christians come into your life and when they see you, because of the salt that they are, do they suddenly become thirsty for Jesus Or is it like some people who I have known who told me the story that they recently were in a water cooler at their company and met another person and then they had a discussion with a guy that they worked with for years and somehow it came up that one of them belonged to church and the other one said, I'm amazed. I have known you for 15 years and I never knew you were a Christian. What a shame. Really. What a shame is that. Uh, And I'm going to show you that some of the most incredible opportunities that God gives you that you may not be aware of it. Recently, uh, last, last year, my son gave me a birthday present where he had a sign prepared for me. When you live in our section of town, uh, Port Royal, it, the, the motif is pirates. And so people put signs on their front lawn. Uh, that show pirates in various activities and various motifs. Well, my son gave me a sign that showed a pirate with his hat doffed, standing before a church, kneeling with a cross. Uh, and it said, the sign said, by the grace of God. By the grace of God. Now, there it is, a simple sign down in a section of town when I started the Bible study in my house, 15 years ago and sent out 250 postcards, not one person came. But you know what happened on Monday? Linda and I were walking outside the house, and we saw a couple, and they had a dog. And so if you have a dog, of course, Linda has to spend at least 15 minutes with you. And these people said, oh, your sign. We have to tell you, your sign inspired us. They said, we're Catholic, but when we saw that sign, we were so moved. And so even though we wanted to steal your sign. (laughs) Instead, we prepared one of our own, which now says, for the glory of God. How about that? For the glory of God. Right? And so our sign says, by his grace, and their sign says, a couple blocks away, for the glory of God. Do you see how God uses even the most simple things to change the lives of people? Who knows how many people now driving or walking in that area will see those signs and will be impacted. Christians have a responsibility. It's not a private responsibility. It is a public responsibility to exhibit the light and the saltiness of God, to show what it means to walk in God, the nature of happiness in every way. And so this is important. Uh, And so here's the thing. People need to see it. 
They need to experience it, and they need to say, I want what you have. I want that joy. I want that peace. I want that. I need to have what you have. I want to have it, and Jesus will give it to them if you will be the person who will give that message. Uh, and, and so that's the essence for us. Jesus said this clearly, clearly during the Feast of Tabernacles, where he said in John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38, that's, Jesus said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. That's what it is. When you come face to face from Jesus, you can't help it. The river of life comes out of you and pours out of your heart and impacts others as well. And so Jesus' expression about light, about the value of light, is so, so profound. Jesus expressed the nature of darkness uh, in a way that had never been done previously before. No one spoke about darkness the way Jesus did. And men hated him for it. Christ stands before the world in perfect example of purity. And men receive that and some are repudiated by it because they feel their sin. Let's understand this. They feel their sin when they come face to face with Christ. And Jesus acknowledges this critical difference. Jesus is coming in a judgment on this world, uh, but he comes in the most simple, pure way. Uh, and so the very coming of Jesus exposed to this world the nature of sin. You see, before Jesus came, you would be inclined to compare yourself to the man or woman down the street. Oh, yeah, I'm a lot better than she is. I'm a lot better than he is, you see? But Jesus changed that. Now when you saw the true righteousness of God through the light of Jesus Christ, when you looked in the mirror, you don't see your neighbor any longer. Now you see Jesus looking back at you. And you know what? When he looks back at you, you bow your head and you're convicted. And so here's the thing. You may not be particularly popular as you exhibit the norms of the kingdom, the world certainly will not embrace you. Uh, but here's the thing. God will help you to keep your faith strong. When you walk with Jesus Christ every day of your life, he will lift you up. When you're called to be salt, when you're called to be light, you can be assured Jesus will walk with you every step of the way. And he will help your faith and strengthen your faith and help you to keep others who are weak in their faith to be strengthened as well. And so you will bring people to Jesus through your testimony. You don't have to preach. You don't have to memorize a sermon. You will reflect Christ through your life, and it is the reflection of Jesus Christ in your life that will draw people to him. Paul referred to this, you see. He talked about what happened from Moses when Moses came down from Mount Sinai after seeing God. And receiving the Ten Commandments, he talked about this. Uh, and what he said was that Moses was so impacted by seeing God that he had to put a veil on his face because the constituents of the Israelites could not look at him because his face was that bright. Can you imagine? That's what happens when you come face to face with God. That's what happens when you come face to face with Jesus. You cannot be the same and the world will notice it. It will apply it in every way. 
And so Jesus made it very clear, you are the light of the world because he is the light. And since he is the light, he will shine through us in every way. Uh, and, and if you do this, your light will also help you to exhibit love and graciousness and generosity uh, in every way as you impact people who need to hear it. And you'll affirm them and you'll lift them up. And when you see them, you'll go out of your way for those who are downcast and those who are despairing and depressed. You will light their light up. You will allow them to live a better life and a life closer to Christ. That is your ministry. That's what God is calling each and every one of us today to do. Now, there are a number of verses in Scripture that support this premise very clearly. For example, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, it reads, For you were once darkness, but now you are a light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Isn't that true? We were once darkness. We were once lost. We mourned for our spiritual condition, our poverty of spirit, and yet God put that light in us. God gave us the saltiness that we needed to be. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, we read, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Can you say that that's the nature of your conversation? Is your conversation full of grace? Is it full of saltiness? Or unfortunately, does our conversation sometimes devolve into gossip and slander. And you know it's easy to do that when you're with people, but instead say, Lord, protect me. Don't let me repeat these kind of things. Help me, God, to be the kind of Christian you want me to be, to be affirming and loving in every way. Let my conversation be salty, Lord, so that the world will see the difference. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, we read, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them. And that's the point in this. God doesn't want us affiliated with the dark deeds of darkness. He wants us to be affiliated with the light. That's the point of this. We're called to be the light. And so repudiate the darkness. Get out of the darkness. Don't be a person that that corresponds with darkness. Look to lift Jesus up in every way. And finally, the Lord delivers his marching orders to us. And these are the marching orders that I say apply to us today. It applies moreover to our church as we move into the new promised land. And this is found in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Preach the good news to all creation. And here's the thing. When you preach, you preach sometimes just as much or more powerfully with your life than just with words. You understand? With your life, the very definition of who you are, exhibiting the light of Christ, exhibiting the nature of salt in every way. And so that's my message for you today, church. It's a a pinnacle in our life today, a monumental position of this church as we move forward uh, into a new vision of what God has for us. This is the nature of the call of God on our lives. I hope that each and every one of you today will leave here with a greater understanding of the purpose and call of God on your life. This is your ministry. 
This is the call of God on each and every one of you. Amen, church? Let's just close in prayer. Father, I thank you for the message that you've given us. I thank you for the understanding of light and salt and how we are to respond to that. I thank you, Father, that you've made it so simple for us to understand that. And now, Lord, I ask you that you empower us so that each of us will live here with a greater purpose in our life, with a greater commitment to you to go out into a dark world and to change it because of you. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless Amen. you, church. Amen. Amen. Jesus. Thank you, Pastor John. Amen.